I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. Before we get to today's guest, I want to thank our sponsors at Dr. Dish Basketball. I've shared with you guys how the Dr. Dish CT model has helped our program And let me just tell you through the brand new Rebel Plus and All-Star Plus models that is going to continue with the built-in eight-inch touchscreens on those two different models. Your players are able to track stats as well as view online shooting drills. To find out more about these new cost-effective models, visit drdishbasketball.com. That's drdishbasketball.com. We're privileged today to have joining us from across the pond, Coach Yurik Michaels. Coach, uh, we were just talking about this, but I think you're the first international guest that I've had on the show. So thanks so much for working with me and uh, all the time differences that we have to make this happen. Appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, man. I'm honored. <laughs> so why don't I have you just start by giving us maybe a minute or so breakdown, really, of kind of just to give people an idea of who you are, uh, what you've done, and what, you, what you're doing now and where you are now. Yeah. All right. So I'm um, Yurik Michaels. I'm from Belgium. I started a company 10 years ago when I was still in, in uh, university called Elite Athletes. So we started training people for free, like professional players. And then over the years, it grown. Now we have our own facility uh, where we train players from little kids to <clears throat> all the way to the pros. Now we have a basketball academy uh, where we try to create the ultimate player development kind of like club in, in Europe. So that's also for kids from 12 to 21 years old. And then we just like to travel the world, give cl- camps and clinics, uh, work for a little bit for federations and, and clubs, things like that. One of the things that I'm interested in, because there are coaches who, even though they focus in on one age group, like we have college coaches that listen to this, or we have high school coaches that listen to this, um, mm-hmm. you're working with such a, a broad range of skill level, I would guess even like interest level from the standpoint of obviously for the professionals, this is something that's their their livelihood. What what are the similarities maybe when working with the different groups and differences? And we can even kind of start spinning this into the skill development side of things as in maybe things that overlap within those age groups and then yeah. things that are different uh, and are age appropriate. I think actually there are a lot of similarities. I think, for example, if I train, for example, today I had a, a camp, a mini basket camp, and we worked on creating off the dribble. That was the main topic of today. But in the afternoon, I had another session where we had uh, five pro players coming together. And actually, my my topic was the same. My practice was literally pretty much the same from the 12 years old till the pros. The only thing is I added different loads. For example, with uh, young kids, it was a lot of more advantage games where I give the defense. For, for example, we did a whole series today with a foam roller. So the defensive player had to keep a foam roller behind their back. That was the first one. Then the second thing, they had to keep a foam roller above their head. So now they can block, but they have to keep it above their head. Third one would be they had the foam roller only in one hand, so they can only use one hand to try to block or steal the ball. And then with the pros, for example, we worked on the same drills, but then it was like, oh, you get four seconds on the clock. We get a second defender in help side, so it's like a one-on-two. 
or for example, we we give them limited dribbles or we kept the space real small, things like that. So I think there are a lot of similarities. And as a coach, it's also good, I think, to teach different age groups because sometimes you with the young kids, you need to focus on the basics. But with the oldest kids, as a skill development trainer, you're still teaching the basics, actually, but it's just on another level. So I think both players, both both groups, they can only help you to to become a better trainer for sure. Yeah. Since you mentioned it, let, let's go ahead and talk about it. This could be something applicable to coaches who are creating drills, or obviously now we're talking more about small-sided games and coaches are getting interested in using more of those in their mm-hmm. practices. And this idea of creating advantages, you already gave some examples just in case they didn't quite understand what you were talking about there. Can you explain that idea of, of creating an advantage and then give ideas for how you can do that both on the offensive side and yep. on the defensive side, and then even take it a step like you were just explaining there what the advantage looks like for an elementary kid versus age appropriate for a high school kid versus a professional kid? Yeah, so... First of all, the, the reason why I'm giving advantages is because I want to create a, some kind of success rate. What I see a lot with young kids who just started to play basketball is a lot of coaches, they don't give advantages. And the kids, they don't score during the practice. They maybe score like three or four times. or It gives an advantage to the kids that are good. And the ones yeah. that aren't, they, they never experience any success, right? Indeed. So that's why I try to create this. I, I want to create smiles on their face, on their faces, because if they're having fun and they're enjoying it and they, they have more success, they will be more engaged to learn more. So that's kind of like the, the reason why we use a lot of those uh, games. And to be honest, to what kind of advantage or disadvantage you give to offense or defense is you can go as crazy as you want i try to experiment every practice with things like that so for example the formula series was something that it was not planned you just go with the flow and just try new things out but you can play with multiple things you can play with time for example you can say if if you have a better age groups you can say you have four seconds on the shot clock to create a shot you can play with for example limited dribbles so it means for, for my pros, a lot of the times I only do things with two or three dribbles maximum. Because definitely if you play in, in Europe, you're not going to see a lot of guys except the point guard doing more than two two or three dribbles in, in the game. Um, you can play, for example, with distance. That means today we did a, a warm-up shooting under pressure. And I had, with my five pro guys, I had two younger guys. So they're like... 16, 17, but they're good. So, for example, with them, I made the distance of the closeout that the defender had to come one meter longer. So they had a little bit more time to get their shot off under pressure or to read the defender, or the closeout was a little bit harder. So a lot of times out of control. And then with I had my best shooter, for example, then I put the defender even a little bit closer. So it's it's almost, yeah, every shot will be contested for him. But that's the kind of level that he needs to get at. So it's not like you say, uh, for kids under 14, it needs to be this. Kids under 16, it needs to be this, whatever. You need to feel your personnel, for example. Is he a shooter? Is he a driver? What is his strength? What is your weaknesses? What would he use in the game? So, for example, one of my pro guys was more of a 4-5 player. But 
when we did creating off the dribble, that's not his thing. So for him, I'm going to create a little bit more advantage. But if I have a point guard, for example, I maybe come uh, jump in and I will be an extra defender somewhere in help site or whatever. So you you try to get the most out of every player. But you need to become, as a coach, good to differentiate. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you'll get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to find out more. Do you feel like this allows you to, the, the skills and the drills that you're using and, and emphasizing, does it allow you to emphasize more skills in a lesser amount of time? In other words, are you able to cover more by doing things this way than maybe, because I'm assuming that it, you haven't always taught or coached like this. What are the differences that this type of coaching has afforded you? Yeah, so the thing with me is what I like to do is I like to experiment. And I, I love doing research. So, for example, in the beginning, my first years as a coach, I was all block practice. It was, I had a lot of MBA trainers who are my mentors at that point, And I tried to do what they were doing. And then, for example, then I get to know the Canadian model and the Australian guys and Mike McKay and all those guys. And then I started to learn uh, the small-sided games. And then I went from block practice, all right, let's try and do this all, all the time, everything small-sided games. And then I did that for like two or three years. And now I feel like I try to make a little bit more of my own. I think I get the, mo the best results if I, if I do a mix of both. So I don't believe it's like the way you, sh you teach should be black and white, like, ah, oh, this is great practice, this is not... A, a great way to make players better no i think you there is there is no there is no science in if you do this you're going to create the best players mm -hmm. it's different for everyone but for me what works best is a, a mix of both i still do a lot some block practice definitely in the beginning with when i want to teach the details or for example what it can be maybe one or two reps on on every move then i i try to go more outside the games because i feel it's it's helping my players more to get that transfer to the game and you get limited reps versus block practice that's that's a negative thing but i feel like my players are learning s slower but once they got it they got it and they can immediately implement it in the game versus what you see a lot with the block practice is they look great in practice then you bring a defender and then it goes down the performance. So, so go ahead and tell me how long does a typical skill session last? And then how do you organize it so that you are creating, you know, that, that variance so that they're not getting bored so that their brains mm -hmm. are staying engaged. And so you're actually accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish. To be honest, like I don't really put a timer on it. So 
for example, with some of my pros, my practice is only last 20 minutes. So, for example, I get a, some shooters and we do like something like 150 makes on all different situations and it, it takes 20 minutes. The guys are dead after 20 minutes because everything is shooting on the move and under pressure and, and, and game type shots. But in 20 minutes is enough for them. And with other guys, it's more like I, I try to feel their energy and I try to feel like how much do they still want to go you know so today was a really long session we went two hours but if i see that my players are not feeling it maybe after one hour or 50 minutes i stop so i don't work with time actually i work more with yeah you can see it in their eyes if they're hungry then i keep going if i see that the, the concentration is going down then i i stop yeah i mean i work with college students and i the exact same thing, you know, depending on how the week's been going or what mm -hmm. day of the week it is, or we're around midterms or whatever, you can, you can see it in their eyes and you know that if you go any longer, it's going to be a complete waste of time. So yeah, very good to, to knowing your players. So let me transition to this one area that I know that you address with players is making them more efficient. And I feel mm -hmm. like that phrase is something that coaches hear a lot or talk a lot about but somebody may not necessarily know what more efficient means. So yeah. what does, what does that mean? And what are some ways that coaches can actually help players become more efficient? So for example, like the way I used to do it is was, all right, today we're going to go into a mid range series and I'm going to give you 25 different moves. And then in the 25 different moves, maybe you're going to see one or two in the game probably. So that, that was how I used to do it. And the way I do it right now is definitely with my older guys. I don't really sell the moves anymore. So how do, do I do it is I create situations where they need to use it. Or even if it's a one-on-no training and just I'm rebounding, I give them freedom. So for example, I say... You need to take a shot off the dribble. We go 15 makes. Not a single one can be this. Uh, not a single shot can be the same. But you need to shoot inside the paint. And then, for example, some guys they're gonna use. They're gonna be working on a lot of step back. Some guys are using a lot of mini fades. Some guys are shooting on one leg. Some guys are using a lot of heavy hezies or runners or whatever. But I give them the freedom. Or for example, I say like every shot needs to have some kind of fadeaway. But there are 10, 15 different fadeaways in the game. And some guys work more on the mini fade. Some guys would like to work more on the shimmy into a fadeaway, for example. So I give them a lot of freedom and players to find out what is their what is their skill set, what is their package. So I rather have guys have like three or four moves that they become really solid at and they know it. Instead of that, we work on a variety of 30 40 different moves and maybe they only going to use one or two in the game so i think it's about you need to get your players to know themselves really good and that's a very uh that's not easy because a lot of even pro players if i ask like some if guys come from the first time i say like what are your go-to moves and they're like oh i don't know uh a lot of the guys they don't think about it it just comes natural but it's important that you need to give them the tools that they get to know themselves. 
one of the things that I see most often, even from just going from high school players to I recruit the high school players and they become college players. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking even about like the number of dribbles that they take to mm-hmm. actually score or the, the how long it takes to get a shot off kind of removing extra motion and that kind of thing. Do you, do you see that as well with your players, especially because I know at the pro level, we talk about, you know, you go from high school looks open is looks totally different from that to college and college mm-hmm. to pro that looks totally different as well. So I would assume that efficiency can also mean cutting down on the number of seconds it takes to get your shot off and those types of things as well. Yeah, definitely. So that that's what we do a lot. Definitely with the pro players, you need to, you, I, I still think even you need to make the practice harder than the game. So that for I literally have sometimes coaches call me and say, I don't want him to do any more than one dribble in the game. Mm-hmm. So then everything that we're going to do in practice will be one dribble or, or less. So you always try to, you always try to see what are the guys doing in the game and that you try to mimic in practice. And for example, if I have a guy who doesn't take a single ball screen in in the game, then for me it doesn't make sense if they're already on the pro level to even work it out in in season in our practices. Maybe off season we can work on those things, but in season I'm really trying to be efficient with my time like what are you doing in the game? What can we still improve you on that part? And that's the stuff that we're going to do every practice. Yeah. You just alluded to this and I want I want you to to tell people what this should actually look like or help people understand what this should actually look like. And it is the coach relationship with the skill development coach, Mm -hmm. because especially here in the States, those things are totally separate of each other. And the two groups never talk to each other. And as a matter of fact, if if we're going to be honest, most of the coaches are just resentful of the skill development coach because they just think that they're teaching them a bunch of wasteful moves. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing that the skill development coaches are thinking you guys are holding them back coaches by only allowing them to do that. What does a, what does a good relationship between those two parties actually look like? Yeah, I think that's, you, you just nailed it. I think that it's the same thing in Europe in here. Like people, they don't like coaches don't like to talk. And I think because it's, it's two different worlds and the head coach is, he doesn't know a lot about the, the skill development and the skill development. A lot of the times, they don't know a lot about uh, the style of play of the head coach. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot of the times it's a little bit too much ego, you know, like the, they don't want to, that they, they don't want to work together or they a little bit scared to not understand what the other guy is saying because it, it's two different parts of the game. Mm-hmm. But I think the most successful programs are the programs who work together on that part. Uh, that's what we try to do in our academy. But it's it's not easy because a lot of the times they have a different view of the game also. Uh, I think head coaches, most of the time, they like it very structured. And I think skill coaches, a lot of the times we think like, oh, if all our guys would be skilled enough and creative enough, we don't need too much structure. We can just play with, with basic rules. But you got to find a match if you want to create the best program. And... Yeah, I agree. It's not it's not easy for sure. So let me, you know, skill development, you've done this now for a while now and you've been a player and played at the professional level. So you understand, you know, to be a effective skills development coach, what characteristics and what skills 
for the next group that's coming along that wants to be this. You know, this is becoming everybody thinks that they can become a skill development coach because they played basketball for a while. Um, maybe even some things that you learned moving over. I don't know. Maybe you thought that too. Like, man, I can do this. I, I played. I can. I can. What were maybe some things that your eyes were open to once you started? Actually, you're on the other side now and teaching it to other people that maybe would help out a young person so they can work on those types of skills as well. I think the, the biggest thing that we focus on is, is shooting. I think shooting is now the, the master skill of the game. So I would say like in the beginning of my coaching years, I was not focusing too much on it, but now we would say that would be the main topic for sure. We have a rule that in our academy, for example, every practice it can be with the head coach or with the skills uh, development coach at least 20% of your practice time should be devoted to shooting. That's, that's our, our one rule in the, in the academy. So, for example, last week we added a four-point line in our, in our gym. And what I see, for example, already from the last week is all our guys, now they start to shoot deep-range trees. And they, they don't want to shoot a normal three-pointer anymore. They want to shoot a deep-range tree. But I think that's a good thing because... I think the future of the game will be unlimited range. Like logo dame, that's not going to be an exception anymore. We're going to see high school kids who are going to shoot from midcourt like Lamala Ball did, for example. That's going to be that's going to be the new standard. And it used to be everyone wanted to dunk uh, all the time. But I think it's now it's going to be like everyone wants to shoot as far from the as possible from, from the rim. So... I would say if for a young coach, that would be the, the number one thing I would focus on is shooting. Uh, we call it the basic six. So you have shooting, then you have finishing, you have footwork, you have passing, uh, you have decision making. So let me ask you about the shooting. How yep. do you how are you helping these these kids, especially the younger ones, extend mm -hmm. their range? And maybe even how, how young should you work with somebody to extend that range? Are you are you usually saving this for your professional guys and upper level guys or or what no so even for example the youngest kids with us are under 14 in the in the academy so we do a lot of rhythm shooting and we let them start close always so i like to do a lot of different kind of footwork different kind of variations of the dribble but to get the pickup right to get the, the shot in one motion to get the quickness of the release those are things we work a lot on but as soon as the guys can shoot, I try to bring immediately a, a defender. So, for example, the pro workout today, they don't take a single shot without a defender. So it starts from minute one, and we build it up again with the progressions. Really easy that I know they're going to get their shot off every time, but at least there will be a defender somewhere close to it. So they get used to shoot uh, always under pressure. So that I like to do a lot of those things, like the two versus one shooting, things like that. We do a lot. And then, yeah, different variations of... I, I want all my guys, once you become a good shooter, like even with your hand in the face, it shouldn't change your shot. So I like to do a lot of those things, definitely in practice one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, in the warm-up where they learn to shoot, yeah, with a hand in their face, under pressure, all every shot, yeah. So a lot of the things that you just talked about and the drills that you just mentioned, I'm sure that there are people that are listening to this who are like, man, I'd love to see what that actually looks like. 
you've actually created something just here recently to help with that. Can you explain that and exactly what all that entails uh, and, and what's maybe some of the highlights of things that are included in that course? Yeah, so we got like an online platform because the, the thing that made us grow over the last 10 years is we're always been very transparent about our process and the ups and downs and the way we, we train players. So it's kind of like the online platform is a video database with like all the drills that we do from the little kids all, all until the uh, professional players. And it's it's a mix between skill development, but then we definitely my colleague is very good with athletic development. He got a very out of the box uh, way of training also. So that's also included. We do a lot of breakdown videos in that of the skills that you see in, in on the NBA level. And then we add some blocks where we share our process also uh, off the court, like things, how to deal with parents, um, things about the mindset, things about uh yeah how to make your practice plan basic things but just everything that can help a trainer to to get to the next level yeah and over the last few months you've actually kind of been teasing this a little bit on your social media account so why don't you go ahead and tell people where to find you on social media and can can connect with you and can maybe even ask you some questions about some of the stuff that we talked about today the best thing to reach me is on on instagram it's just my name so at yurik but you can also send me on twitter i know most of the in in europe twitter is not big but with the american and the canadian coaches there are a lot on on twitter um so you can also send me on that um but the best thing is for sure instagram yeah that's coach yurik michaels of elite athletics coach that was phenomenal thank you so much for taking the time for us today no worries thank you for having me that'll do it for this episode thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you again at the next time out Thank you.